Hello and welcome to the season two premiere of the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. I hope all of you had wonderful holidays and a positive and productive start uh, to the new year. I return with a renewed sense of purpose and some fresh energy and a high level of excitement for the guests that I have planned for season two and also a deep appreciation for everyone I spoke with on season one. Our first guest this season is a man named Dean Miller. Dean is a lead guitar player who performed with Ethan in a band called Who's Your Daddy in the late, the end of the 90s, early 2000s. And he also performed in a band called Furious George with his brother Dave for many, many years. I knew Dean back in Phoenix because I would see him at various shows that Ethan would play, whatever band he was in, oftentimes Dean would show up to those gigs and through that, through those interactions, he and I got to know each other. Although Dean played with Ethan in just one band over the years, they remained very close friends uh, for about 20 years. Dean was very excited to speak with me about Ethan and I enjoyed our conversation thoroughly. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Dean Miller. I hope you enjoy it. Dean Miller, how are you doing? I am well. How about you? Good, man. I'm just yeah. hanging out in the house, chilling out. Yeah. Yep. I'm doing the family thing like me. Yeah, we're family family guys now. A lot different than uh, back when we met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it, man. How about you? Um, I, of course I do. Uh, I walked out of my bedroom about half hour ago and my two-year-old called me by my first name so that was kind of funny you know <laughs> lots of little stories that these kids uh, it, it, she'd call me dad she'd say, hey dean I'm like ah okay well is that where we are now okay <laughs> and you know what's so cool about being a, what's so cool about being a musician dad with gear is you can um record them over the years we were kind of talking about that before we got started you know my daughter loves yeah. to sing i've got all kinds of styles of her singing and it's so cute she makes up her own songs or messes up lyrics to songs oh yeah uh well baby shark whenever she sings this she just comes right over to it and starts just yeah. talking and yeah. if it's or not but i got some really cute stuff of them yeah yeah dude, me too yeah, so much that so much like i don't even know what to do with it I don't know. Have fun with it, and yeah. you turn it on when you can. Yeah, yeah. All right. So before we get started talking about Ethan, um, well, you and I were just kind of talking about our family lives. But what are you up to nowadays? Are you still doing anything music-wise? Um, so I, I think I'm just starting that journey again. So uh, when my band Curious George broke up, probably three years ago. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have time for any of that stuff. And I, I put everything away. I just got my Thunder Twin out um, and cleaned it up and blew air, compressed air to it, get all that dust out. Um, Todd Miller talked me into joining this Yacht Rock group. Cool. So, uh, yeah, right? And uh, he said, I already got a gig booked. I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we, we, don't have a full set. we don't even have a drummer yet. You know, that's Todd for you. Yeah. Uh, so I've noticed that the Yacht Rock material is a little bit harder than the Beastie Boys stuff that I was playing in, in my cover band. So yeah. um, it's been fun. It's been challenging. I think Mike Mercer is coming out here oh, next month and we're going to do a show. Cool. So I'm not nervous awesome. about it. If I did one show a month, I would be I'd be happy. I'm not I I can't get back into it full time again. Right. Sure. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Did you ever get into um, like writing music at all? Is that something that that you tried? I, wrote, I did. I wrote one song, okay. uh, and I thought I thought it was pretty good, actually. Um, it's just an instrumental, uh -huh. and uh, I basically 
stole the chords from Fly Me to the Moon by Sinatra. I mean, if you heard the song, you would never know that this is Fly Me to the Moon. And it's not just that song, and there's other stuff going on. And um, it just, I, it was, it turned out really good. I was, I was happy with it. It was called Dreams, but that's, other than that, that's it. I haven't written anything. Okay. I don't think I, I have uh, what it takes to put something down or the patience. I don't know how you guys do it, you know. It's good for you, Chris. Well, you know, uh, Ethan, actually, Ethan and I had a conversation about this once because he had turned me on to that Victor Wooten book, which I mentioned in a couple of other episodes. Mm -hmm. Have you read it by any chance? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, basically, there's this fictional character in it called Michael who just kind of pops up and gives Victor lessons, music lessons, and then he disappears kind of thing. And one of the things... One of the things in that is that this whole idea of musicians being uh, like a tuning fork for the universe. So you don't necessarily, I mean, some people can, they go to school and they learn theory and they can sit down and write a song and you got like Beethoven, Mozart, and you can use math and that kind of stuff. But for um, lowly musicians that are just kind of sit around, some people are just more in tune to that stuff. So it's like uh, the songs are almost hand, handed to you, you know, if you're tuned into that. So that's kind of how I look at it. Like I'll be driving and something comes in my head and, uh, and I'm like, oh man, appreciate it. That sounds cool, you know, and then I'll expand on it, that kind of thing. But you never know. Yeah, yeah. maybe. maybe you we, we, well, it's all about getting inspiration. Exactly, yep, that's yeah. true. Well, I, I have to say that uh, that song that I wrote, Ethan actually, played bass on it he was doing a gig i think with maybe tate or somebody and i, I had the night off and i said hey come down after your gig i'm right on the way to your house just come and lay this track down and uh, there was lots of extended chords and um he, he just came and nailed it like two takes sure <laughs> it was great so it's my little ethan song that i oh, have oh man yeah. that's awesome yeah. Um, well, I guess a good place to start is where you met him and how you met him. Do you remember? Uh, I do. Uh, so I was in a band called Who's Your Daddy. Uh, you ever heard of that that band before? I have. Yeah. I remember it from back in the day. And I've talked to Todd and I've talked to um, <laughs> a lot of guys that have, ta- that have reminisced about Who's Your Daddy. Yep. Todd yeah. gave a very good history of Who's Your Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my brother was in the band, uh, Dave, and he was leaving to go to Europe to work. Uh, so we needed a bass player. Ta- I'm sorry, that my dogs are just acting crazy. Uh, so we had a gig at uh, Enchiladas, and Ethan showed up. And that's where I met him, and he was into it. He saw the crowd, and we were just having fun, and a lot of a lot of good things going on. Uh, we weren't, you know, the best band in town, um, but it was more, I think, about the energy that we were putting out. And I think he dug it, and um, he accepted the position of the bass player. And then I think we had our first practice at Todd's not too long after that. But that's that's how I met him through Todd. He was just coming out of. Um, what was that band? As Is? You heard of that band? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. you talking about As Is. Yep. Yeah. Alan Dakina, right? Alan Dakina. Alan, monster guitar player. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole band was just just stellar. So, which is weird, him coming out of that band and walking into a band like, like Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> uh, we had a good time, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Todd. Todd, Todd said very specifically that you guys started that band to get beer and meet chicks. Not too far from the truth. And, um, I, you know, it just sort of evolved. We started doing corporate gigs, you know. Wow. It was, we, were, we were one of the top cover bands in town, I think. Mm-hmm. You know. So it was, uh, I had a lot of, a lot of fun. That was a really fun, special time of my life is that band. It seems like a bazillion years ago. I think that was around 2002 when that whole thing kicked off. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the picture right now and we, we just look so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. It's fun looking at those pics from back in the day and all your hair and, being all mm-hmm. and 
Young looking. <laughs> Young looking. What was the that first? Was so, so I guess, so then Who's Your Daddy obviously was your first project together. Did you guys ever, like, did you ever do any other bands together or uh, do any one-offs or acoustic gigs? Um, or like I don't, I mean, later, Ethan and I were in a karaoke band. That's where we put the, the, the lyrics up on the TV screen, but we would play the music live. And um, we never did any acoustic stuff. I think Todd and Ethan kind of took that and ran with it. Um, right. So other than, than Who's Your Daddy, I don't really have much uh, playing time. You know, after you said you didn't have much playing time, uh, the audio audio skipped out on me so i didn't catch that last part of what you said could you tell me that again oh yeah so what what was the last thing you heard um you didn't have much playing time with them oh so um other than the who's your daddy which i that that run was about two or three years um we did a karaoke gig together um but other than that it was i think todd and ethan sort of ran with this acoustic thing and which was starting to pick up momentum at that time and so they started doing a lot of acoustic stuff then eventually they went into the tate and all that fun stuff but i know that you hung out a lot though I mean, yeah we did yeah I mean, um that's where i met you because you'd always be at uh i met you at a tate show at wrigley mansion that's the first time i met you ethan introduced yeah, me right? to you. and yeah. after that i would see you there and it was uh you were always there with um your first, I don't know, well, not your first girlfriend, but the girl you were with at the time. You guys were together for a while, for a couple of years, few years, I think. Um, I'm trying to remember who that was. I mean, there was a couple of them. But you guys would always be at shows, though. I mean, you you were always around, you know, even though yeah. you guys were playing together. And um, Ethan yeah. would talk yeah. about, you know, how you guys were real good friends, you know, and it seemed like... We were. I you know, So after... We, Who's Your Daddy split up, and I got into another band, uh, Furious George, which that ran about 16 years. Yeah. I was still didn't have a whole lot of responsibility, so I would just cut and run to his house after every weekend gig. And we would just, uh, he would, he, you know that TV that he had in his living room? It yeah. was the, uh, the red, yeah. yeah, the rear projection, and it had these three lights, and it just, showing up you know on the screen I, he was so proud of that thing it was just so old but he would have and he still had a vcr and he would he would put on these these tapes of just the craziest stuff and we would just watch it like north korea what they're doing in north korea and how i think kim jong hill was it back then just all the, the crazy stuff that he was doing and he was kind of passionate about um you know, telling the story of uh, of these people that were not being being treated great by by the government, and he was really into stuff like that. And we would watch a lot of concerts. And I remember going over to his house once. He's like, "Dude, get over here! I got this new game. It's a shooter game. Come over here. We're gonna do this." I'm like, "All right, I'll be right over." We go over, and he's playing it. He's on his couch, and he's shooting the TV. TV. I'm like, Ethan, you just bought Duck Hunt, like. Where, where have you been? This is so 20 years ago. But uh, we, we played duck hunt all night. We were always just doing just crazy stuff at his house. Just unwinding, you know. We had musician hours. Right. Yeah, yeah man, I, I remember that TV very well. There were times where we'd go over and he'd put on the Muppets. And, uh, <laughs> Muppets. I love the Muppets. And then, y'all, dude, and, you know, and at the state that we were in at that late hour, it was like 10 times more hilarious, you know, and Ethan would uh, get, get up yeah. and like imitate the Muppets. And then we were both, uh, one thing that we bonded on is that we were both really into Metallica and he had all these Metallica yeah. VCR yeah. sets and he, we would just sit there and put them on and watch Metallica. The, the VCR, right? Yeah, yeah it is VCR. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. They might still be over there. I don't know, but yeah, he had he had lots of stuff on tape, and we would just throw in. Um, yeah, we we stayed up. I, I would always probably leave his house about four in the morning, and we sometimes we stayed till the sun came up, just goofing off. You know, those were so. I was in the band with him for about three years, and you know, to be quite honest, those gigs 
because it, it was so long ago, a lot of those gigs just sort of run together. It's, it's, I don't have, I do have a couple stories, but I don't really have specific memories because they would just sort of all um, get meshed together. But I mean, the best times that, that I've had with Ethan is just hanging out beside of gigs, you know, which is great. We would go tubing down the Salt River. Um, that was fun. Of course, he would love to tout his knowledge of the moon and the right. stars. He was really into that stuff. I'm trying to remember who it was, but I, cause I've been asking that question. Um, and the reason that I asked, or the question that I've been asking is, is there a gig that sticks out in your mind? You know, and I, and I'm, I'm getting the same response from people, which is, man, it's all, it's all kind of like a blur. Like there's not one, you know, give me, give me some time. Let me think about it. That kind of thing. Because I love hearing stories. And I know that he used to pull so many antics uh, playing gigs and there's one gig that if you don't tell the story about that you put out on Facebook that I want to ask you about, I'd like you to tell it on here. Um, someone made a good point as to why that could be. And they said, you know, Ethan was so fun to play with and so energetic that every gig, like you could, if you could remember, every gig was good. Like every gig had something funny. Every gig had something memorable. So it's hard to choose one because they were all consistently that way. I would agree with you 1000%. Uh, being in a band is not, a lot of times it's not easy. You're, you're, you're playing the same material, you're playing with the same dudes. Maybe you had a, a girl in the band. Um, maybe the crowd isn't great, um, but it, it, get, it can be kind of boring, you know, and you can, there can be tension in the band, right? And if you're not giving out that energy, chances are you're not going to get it back from the crowd. And it's this very symbiotic relationship. Uh, Ethan was the guy, as you were saying, that always would show up to the gig with all of that in mind, putting out 100% energy to the crowd and to the band. He knew the value of keeping the band happy, having a smile on your face, because you're giving and taking. Um, that energy with the crowd, people will just come back and see you again, again, and again. He had it going. Yeah. Absolutely. You mentioned something earlier about, uh, you know, being in a band, sometimes there's tension. And, you know, did that kind of stuff ever arise for you guys? Or were there situations yeah. where other guys in the band were having tension and Ethan was a mediator? Or did you ever have any kind of tension with Ethan? And how did you guys navigate that? No, not once ever. Uh, I will say, hmm, Todd, sometimes we didn't see eye to eye all the time. Um, it, of course, nothing ever really serious. Uh, I think mm -hmm. we might have butted head a couple times, but Ethan was always always right there. I mean, nothing serious. Um, yeah, Todd, I think Todd would do this thing where he would, I don't want this to be about Todd. I'm sorry, Todd. I love you, Matt. <laughs> you probably hear this. But we, uh, he would call out a song or, or no, better yet, I would start a song that was not in his mind. And the way he thought the night would, should progress is by playing what's in his head. And there was probably you no know, set list. And I would start a song off. And he was going, no, no, gosh, damn it, love him. And I would look around and he's throwing a fit. Sorry, Todd, love you. Um, I mean, that it was just stupid stuff like that. Then we would just go do our own thing. And did Ethan ever uh, get in there and kind of help resolve those kind of tiffs that would pop up once in a while? Or... Um, the thing is that they, they never really, that there wasn't really ever tiffs. They were just small, dumb things. But Ethan is that type of guy that would have absolutely um, gone in there and be a mediator. And Hey guys, you know, we got a job to do. Let's do it. Uh, dude, who's your baddie? Who's your daddy was just an easygoing, fun party band wasn't a whole lot to it there's one story that ethan loves to tell is we were in lake havasu one time and todd it was the end of the night it was an outdoor gig and we were playing on this the semi-truck you know where, where it rolls in and, and they they, they sure. pop up the the side and you're playing on this mobile stage and i forgot what it was for and then todd was not in a great mood he had a you know, it was the end of the night, a few drinks, and the only people that were there was me, him, and Ethan. 
and uh, and the cleaning crew. And so Todd was, the, the, the mic was still hot, the PA was still on and Todd was just sitting at the end of the stage, his feet dang off, just complaining about something, I don't know what, that he was mad. And I slowly took the microphone and stuck in his face. <laughs> and pretty soon, everyone was hearing him bitch about whatever he was bitching about, right? And so Todd, once he realizes what was up, he's tried very clumsily to smack the mic away. I grab it and he falls off the stage. And of course, uh, he was going to kick Ethan's eyes and mine ass. And uh, so we quickly cleared that space. But uh, Ethan told that story a lot better than I just did. But that was one of his go-to stories uh, of Todd and Ethan and I. Just stupid, fun stuff, you know. One of my questions for Todd, and he was completely surprised, like he had no idea what this was. But did ever did Ethan ever do that um, Chucky Todd thing with you? Chucky Todd. I think so. I think so. And he loved to imitate Todd. Yeah. 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 And I'm not even going to try to do it. And I would just butcher it. But uh, he, it was a love hate relationship, I think, with those guys at sometimes. But Ethan loved, loved, loved more than anything to imitate Todd. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was fun. I asked Todd what Chucky Todd means. And he goes, ow, what's that? I don't even know what that is. He goes, he's probably referring to me as some demonic possessed toy or something. <laughs> I forgot what that was actually, but I have heard that before. Chucky Todd, Chucky Todd. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. 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 And then he would break into a Todd imitation right after that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, um, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. You can do that really well. Yeah. He did it good too. He did have it. So in those two or three years of playing with him and being friends with him for, you know, 20 20 years or so plus probably what do you, so mm -hmm. who's your daddy was that like around 98 99 was that pre-2000 or was it right at about 2000 um no y2k was a big i i think it was around 2001 or two you know what maybe it was maybe before i don't i would have to pull out some of my pictures and look at the date stamp Kind of put it in perspective i think it was around 2002 okay so you know being his friend for you know 20 years basically and jamming with him for two to three years i mean were there things that you that you took away from being around ethan yes whether it was performing or in your own personal life or yep yep like what he changed my perspective uh, a little bit on how i viewed life hanging out with him he taught me, and this is absolute truth. He taught me that there is beauty in just about everything. You just have to look for it. I've never heard him talk bad about anything or a song. And he would, we would travel a lot on road gigs. And I remember we would just listen to stuff and, and he would listen. Maybe the band wasn't great, but he would lock into this one part and he'd go, yeah, man, that's, that's killer. Listen to that. He just stuff like that. I mean, not, not even with music, um, maybe uh, in society, just how he viewed society. Um, he, he just changed my, my perspective. And, you know, things aren't always that bad. There, there is beauty in just about everything. You, you just gotta, you gotta look for it. Right. Which to me is a, is a big deal, you know? Sure. How about the way that you approach your guitar? Ooh. Or your guitar playing or your musicianship. Hmm. I, I don't, I mean, he always elevated everything. Sure. Every time we would play. Um, he taught me maybe to be bolder mm -hmm. and to take those musical risks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he knew a lot about, listen, he was a bass player, but he knew a lot about music and, uh, he taught me some probably some really cool chords I've never played before, you know. Yeah. He taught me to be more more confident. You know, and something that you said about uh, where he wasn't afraid to take risks, the word um, fearless comes to my mind because it, that was kind of the way that he approached me. Oh, yeah. I was always very, I always admired how he would just kind of put himself out there and play and he then never seemed to be like, scared of hitting a wrong note or no. playing and if he did right he would laugh it was funny 
You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It, it was great. Um, and that was Ethan. He was always just out front. He was fearless. Yeah. There, there, there's another story that um, I remember when I think he was playing with Tate. Uh, I went to, I don't know what bar it was, um, but I went there. The place was just hopping, of course. Uh, they took their first break. He went out, started doing his Ethan thing, talking to people. Um, break was over. He got back up on stage with the band. The first thing he does is grab the mic. And he wishes everyone happy birthday by name that he just meant. <laughs> he didn't write it down. He just did that. And I'm thinking, dude, how special is that to have your name touted over the microphone in front of a whole bar? Yeah. And, uh, and he would do that. Like, I couldn't do that. I would go out there, forget their name immediately or not have uh, uh, the sense enough to, to, to do that type of thing. But um, I think that's a big reason why he was so successful is he would make that extra effort to do stuff like that. People go, you know what? That's a great guy. I'm going to come back and see him and have fun again. And they knew he was going to remember them and say their name again. Uh, I don't. He had a gift. Yeah. You know, he um, he played bass. And I'm sure all these other people that you've interviewed have, have said what amazing bass player he was. And he really was. But he he had other gifts too i mean he made you feel like a million bucks and he was sucked people into his world he could have been anything that he wanted if he would have put down the base and pursued something else um he could have easily done that oh sure public speaking yeah yeah definitely he had a gift he did have a gift for that and you know and sometimes i wonder because um mike hill had talked about how he was always jealous that ethan could pick up acoustic gigs, you know, because not only did he play bass, but he'd, he'd get his acoustic and it allowed him to be more marketable and, you know, profitable, yeah. that, that kind of thing. And, um, and it reminded me of a story that I told that I tell on the first episode where I went over to his house and he played a Beatles tune. And I just was like, well, it's Ethan, of course, he's going to know this awesome Beatles song. But then I started from that conversation, I started thinking about all the songs that I heard him play um, all the gigs that I was at with him where someone would call out, I never saw him say, no, nah, I don't really know that, you know, like he always knew he would just do it. He would do it, dude. Even if it was, yeah. you know, okay. He would still do it. He still knew it could figure it out. And so, you know, one of the things that it made me think about was how much effort and energy he put into knowing all this material and not only that, but keeping it refreshed in his mind. And so Matt Tenner and I were having a conversation on the phone the other day mm -hmm. And, Matt, yeah. and I brought this up to Matt. Matt said, I don't know, though, man, because like we would do uh, gigs where for some guys, it's just kind of easy. Like maybe he could just hear the notes or he just, you know, was so in tune with music. But I don't know that he put all that much energy into it because he was just one of those guys that could pick up a bass and remember a song from 1978 and play it. He was he was passionate. That's what, I'll tell you, that's one thing I never had playing music is that kind of passion. And I think that goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I went to his mom's house, hi Kathleen, uh, in Prescott once we had a gig down there and I went to Ethan Newman's room. It was like before, I think it was still set up the same way the day he left. Wow. It was a little glimpse into his, yeah. his life. Um, there's two things I noticed. Uh, he had, do you know what the Wallace and Ladmo show is? You ever heard of that? What is it? The Wallace and Ladmo show. No, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Okay. And, and that's quite all right. But it was a, a kid show here in Arizona. And if you're from Arizona, you know what the Wallace and Ladmo show is. If you were a kid to go, they would give you a Ladmo bag. And it was this, this bag that said Ladmo bag on it, paper, and would just fill it full of treats, toys, and this and that. And I walk into his room right in the middle of his desk or nightstand whatever that was there was a, la a full ladmo bag uh, now he may have eaten a couple things out of it but there, for the, mo the most part everything was still in this ladmo bag and it just showed me how much he respected the show and how much it meant to him to be on the show the, he was a kid and didn't dig in to the contents of this bag i don't know it's to me that was just so bizarre but he there it was just right on right on his stand 
um, because he really valued, really valued that. Uh, Another thing that I saw in his room, he had a note of affirmation. Um, I don't know exactly what it said, but something to the effect of, you need to practice every day, no excuses. And that's, that's what he did. He would go get in his bed. He would see that, probably go grab his base and start practicing again. Wow. Yeah. He was dedicated. That's so cool that you got to see his like childhood bedroom and what was there. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Man. Little glimpse into his history. Right. Well, you know, um, getting back to the not remembering specific gigs, they're all a blur, this kind of thing. You had mm-hmm. post, you put a, a post on Facebook shortly after he passed away. Do you know what gig I'm going to talk about? Do you remember this one? <laughs> yeah. So tell us a story about that, because I enjoyed reading it, man. I was laughing my ass off when I read it, but um, let me hear your hear it from your mouth. Well, we were, it was St. Patrick's Day, and we were going to Flagstaff to play at this bar called Collins Irish Pub. Right in that place, we always killed it. In that place, it was, it was just insane, insanity. Um, so we get there, we go to the hotel, and I think Todd even said, "Well, here are three kilts or four kilts. We're all going to wear them tonight." Okay, no problem. And Todd said, "Well, we're going commando. We're going to wear it Scottish style. That's no underwear." Um, I'm like, "Nah, I can't. I can't do that." I, I just was not as brave as these guys. But lo and behold, Todd and Ethan show up to this gig in their kilts uh, with no underwear on <laughs> or whatever that they wore. We, we had a great show. You know, it, it, we had a bunch of college kids stuffed into this bar. And you've seen these, these gigs before where the whole bar is just jumping up and down in unison, right? And then that's how these, that's how these gigs were. They were the best. So it got to that point that... People are having a great time. And I look over and Todd and Ethan are jumping up and down and their kills are just flying up and down. Um, yeah, I hate the crowd, those kilts. You're looking at a picture of them right now in that kilt. Here, let me, uh, let me flip this around. Oops. Can you see that? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that picture on Facebook. And we, we got done loading up our equipment. We went outside, it was snowing. He's in leather boots, his kilt. He has a leather jacket on, no shirt on. Uh, he has beads on and he ended up with a, a sombrero. He just took this classic Ethan picture. To me, it's just, that's just 100% Ethan. That's his personality. Yeah, yeah that, that, was a, that was a good one. That's a great story, man. And unfortunately, with my crappy internet, uh, the middle of the story uh, spaced out. So okay. let me have you fill it in a little bit. Sorry to do that to you, man. But oh, no you talked about how uh, Ethan and Todd showed up commando. And then um, the whole place was bumping. And then it kind of cut off until, you know, right before the sh- you guys loaded up to for, for the end. Of the oh. oh, yeah. I mean, so... Yeah, the whole place was bumping and everyone was just jump, jumping up and down. And with that, so were Todd Nathan's kilts flying up <laughs> I, and they didn't care. And I look over and I'm just dying laughing. And it, it was just one of those little special moments that I'll carry with me. But those guys uh, were not afraid to do stuff like that. Um, that, was, that was Ethan, you know, just having fun. In the spirit of the moment. Did you guys ever, um, did you do a lot of traveling in Who's Your Daddy or was it mostly local stuff? Mostly local. We would, uh, Lake Havasu was a a big one. We'd head out to San Diego every once in a while. Not a whole lot of traveling. You know, we were just, I think, getting established. And it wasn't until after we had broke up and then Todd and Tate, they had enough street cred. Uh-huh. you know to kind of take this take the whole thing further so i think they did a lot of traveling i think they went to alaska a few times um hawaii maybe i'm not sure but no we never did a whole lot of traveling you know but we would do uh gigs here in state where we would uh, go up in the white mountains do a show and drive back down and like i said those are the times that i re- i remember most just just chilling out with them listening to music and 
um, you know, just bullshitting. Did you did you meet any like uh, long lasting friends through East, through Ethan that he introduced you to that either you jammed with or you just became really good friends with or new in the scene? Are there any guys you can remember that you met through Ethan? Um, you know, no one that I became besties with, but I mean, you're one. Oh, no. You know, uh, we, we talk on Facebook, uh, yeah. political stuff every once in a while. And, um, you know, I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I've met a lot of really cool people through Ethan, for sure. You know, um, I can't say that I, wait, did he know that was Alan Chadwick that I met my singer through? Um, no, I mean, just I've met a lot of really cool people through Ethan. And and being with him all those years and being around him, what did you notice about how he treated other people, whether they were oh, people, whether people he knew or people he didn't know? What were your observations? With respect, like I said before, he was the guy that was sucked you into his world. Um, he made you feel special. That he did. He did that to everybody. That was that was him. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did notice that about him too, man. He just had a way with people, and and no matter no matter what they were into, he knew something about, he was so intelligent. He knew something about yeah. everything. <laughs> the astronomy. Well, he, um, yeah, astronomy. He, he has a college degree, right? Yes, he does. I think he graduated from ASU, remember right? Yep. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. That's come up. And he lived, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, that's come up through the course of this as well. Um, some other guys, you know, mentioning how, intelligent he was and Todd as well and Alan mentioned how yeah. he and Todd used to get into some pretty pretty deep conversations about crazy subjects you know. who uh who was that Alan. Uh, Alan and Todd Alan Chadwick was telling me how when he was playing in Tate that sometimes on uh traveling gigs or whatever he and Todd would just get into the conversation <laughs> and Alan could keep up too you know that, that oh that guy yeah very intelligent don't ever talk to him about taxes yeah. I learned that. Yeah. <laughs> when I first, He's a good dude. When I first met Alan, he goes, hey, man, do you pay your taxes? <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, you don't have to. <laughs> I said, what? I go, yes, I do. Yeah. I have to pay taxes. Yeah, dude. Everyone does. He goes, no, man, look, there's this part of the Constitution. I figured it. I've cracked this code. <laughs> and like four years later, he was paying taxes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's so Alan Chadwick. He's another good dude. Yeah, he is, man. He's got. We had a great conversation. That that one's coming out in a few, in a couple or two, three weeks. Um, what was your favorite thing about Ethan? Do you think? I mean, you've mentioned a lot of things, and it might be a redundant question, but I mean, when you think of Ethan, is there any one particular thing that you can think of that was your favorite yeah. thing about him? You know, just his spirit. He was an amazing bass player. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, but just his spirit. Um, again, he just, he made you feel like you were really something special. You know, every single time. Uh, like I said, he made me, he changed my view on, on how I looked at life. Not all of life, but this one, you know, um, particular part of it. Um, you know, Ethan, that was just a great person. Yeah. Like a, a diamond in the rough. There'll never be another Ethan, Ethan Newman. I agree, man. I, I was, before I started this podcast, when I was trying to think of what kinds of messages I wanted to uh, convey or, you know, what kind of things I would share, or what I wanted to highlight about them. And one of the things is that I've, with the exception of a couple people, I just, I never met anyone like him. And now that I'm talking to all of you, I'm finding out just how consistent he was and mm. different. And at the same time, he wore a lot of different hats at the same time, a different type of personality. It's almost like he was a, a chameleon of sorts, you know, but the consistency in the way he treated people and how he made them feel and how he brought out their mm. talents and their confidence and yeah, man, you know, when, when I think of that, I'm like, okay, could I do that? I, it sounds exhausting to me. Like, I don't know if I could do that consistently, constantly, everywhere I go. 
Mm -hmm. So it was just always on. Yeah. And it makes you think like, what, what was that special little fairy dust that made him that way? I don't know. Some people are just, some people are just wired like that. Yeah. Chris, you know, yeah. they, they just have that, that it factor. Right. I don't, I'm like you. I, I sometimes, you know, when I was, when I would gig, what I would tend to do is just after my break, I just wanted to go and be by myself. I just want a little moment to myself just to kind of recharge. Not Ethan. I mean, he would always be out mingling with everyone, creating those relationships. Uh, he was just a special person. Uh, it was great to see him. Have you ever seen him with little kids? No, but I've heard some stories through the course of this. Um, how about you? Did you? Oh, uh, well, um, let's see. How old was Mason? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I've seen him with kids in general. He would just go up to him, go, hey, schmoopies, hey, poopy pants. And <laughs> these kids, they were just little kids. And pretty soon they were they were hiding their face in their mom's shoulder, but they just loved it. They ate it up. And just right out of the gate, he just had this bond with these kids. I mean, it wasn't just adults. I mean, he, he really knew how to push people's buttons in that in that good way. Now that I think of it, Tony King told a story um, where Nash had stepped in a piece of poop at Jay Poole's house and Ethan okay. came in and was singing a little song to get Nash to chill out and relax. And he gave, <laughs> he gave Tony some like fatherly advice. And, you know, Tony's like, you're not even a dad, but it turned, <laughs> it turned out to be something that has stuck with them and that he's used with his kids, you know, as, as they've grown up. Um you've i mean you've te you guys have kept in touch consistently over the years right yeah were you pretty yeah you were in touch around the time that he got sick yeah uh yes do you uh you know i i kind of mentioned how i was able to have you know a really nice talk with him before he passed away but do you remember the last conversation that you had with him yeah I don't know if it was through text or just over the phone. It was about COVID. Oh, I might still have a message. I, I kept I kept a few of his messages. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, but I, I forgot if we were just talking on the phone. But he said that uh, I'm finally beating this COVID thing. I just have a little bit of a temperature. I'm gonna go back to work. See if I can pick up some gigs, pay my bills. Um, I think he did picked up a couple gigs and then it wasn't too long after that he was in the hospital and they had intubated him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was a, I think this might've been with age. I was concerned about him and I, I called him a lot and he left a message and said, I want you to know, I love you very much and things are going to be great. You know, him being positive, um, so there's a, there's a couple messages that I have that are that are special that I'm gonna keep, you know. Of course, man. Yeah, I wish I still. Speaking of messages, do you remember? And I talked to uh, Matt Henderson about this, and one other guy. But do you remember that era from like 2004 to 2007 or so, where Ethan would leave like funny voicemail greetings on his phone? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was so yeah. cool. Dude. Every yeah. week, dude, yeah, yeah. every week without fail. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I remember one time I had gotten a smartphone. So with a smartphone, obviously you can go on the internet and you can copy and paste right. whatever you want, and you can send it a text message. And he had that old the flip phone, right? Right. <laughs> For whatever reason, I don't think he knew any better. So I, I found um, the Gettysburg Address and I copied the whole speech and I just sent it to him and he called me. He's like, dude, you took time to write that whole thing to me. He just thought that was the best thing ever. I'm like, dude, I just copied and pasted it. Yeah, he didn't know it. That was funny. <laughs> dude, I bet you have so many memories and stories of Ethan, man. I bet there's just... Yeah, I, uh, I have to kind of go back in the vault and it, it, as we talk, you know, right now, I, I start to remember more things, just little one-offs that are, that are just funny. Do, be, you know. So I have a little question that I ask at the end of, end of the interview when I'm kind of wrapping it up and stuff. But before we go there, 
Yeah. Are any of those, I would love to hear any stories that might be popping into your head if you have any more. Um, well, there was, um, like I said, there were just little times of, of driving back and forth the gigs. We had played up in the White Mountains, I think for a Christmas party. Then Ethan and I drove back uh, to go play another gig that evening. And um, we were having a, a spiritual moment with music. And he, of course, always is playing the Beatles and um, whatever else, you know, that Ethan likes. Uh, but I said, let's listen to the Eagles. Let's take a, I think we're listening to Life in the Fast Lane. And everyone knows that song, I think. But no one's really ever just sort of studied it. And we're listening to it. I go, now listen. Of course, you're But it is, as the verse starts, I go, listen deeper. Listen to that buried guitar in the background that no one ever would know. But it's such a big part of the song. And he's listening to us like, oh, dude, that's fucking great. It's like, I never had any idea that was there. And uh, it was just little stuff like that, you know, trying to figure out Beatles songs on the way back. I'd grab the guitar and we would just um, make use of our time, just chilling out. Oh, I, and there's always the times we're out underneath the stars and he had to bring this telescope out. And he's, he's, he's telling me about all the phases of the moon and how Venus is in the sky and how special it is in this time of year. Um, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I, I feel lucky that I got a few of his astronomy lessons too out in the desert or in his backyard. <laughs> yeah. And then it yeah. always turned into like some sort of a philosophical sort of conversation and a, and a, not that he was like, hey, let me give you advice. Hey, let me teach you something. Hey, let me influence you. But he would, you know, and um, I'm, I do miss that. Um Darn it. Now, I'm the, now I got thinking about them and I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, I knew that you were an Eagles uh, fan, uh, like a yeah. hard Eagles fan, that you are. Because I remember once we, we I, I have no idea whose house it was or where, but it was like a, it was a party for all of the musicians in the scene. And we were all there and Alan was on stage playing drums and Ethan was on stage playing guitar or bass and it was just all the and you would go up and jam and it was just all this interchangeable stuff and I played a song that I wrote and or Ethan Ethan and I and uh maybe Randy and Alan played this tune and then when I came to sit down I sat down next to you and you go hey man did you write that song I said yeah you were like oh it's a cool song he goes you know there's a section of it that kind of reminds me of the Eagles and you went into this whole thing about the Eagles and I was like huh, the Eagles, because like they're pretty commercial and like the Eagles are the Eagles yeah. or whatever, but like you hipped me to some like little fun nuggets about the Eagles that I that I didn't even know. And I remember after that conversation yeah. with you, going back and listening to some of the Eagles songs that we were talking about and, and noticing yeah. some stuff and listening to like the stuff that wasn't on the radio, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, because of you, I, I took on... Uh, a uh, newfound appreciation for them that I've, that's oh, yeah. how nice of you to say so you're right the eagles are, are very commercial but if you listen to hotel california the album which ironically hotel california i, I don't really care for that song but there there's some just beautiful stuff very well written in the lyrics and i'm not a lyrics guy but uh, i get in and uh, just dive in and just sink my teeth into it so yeah very nice of you to say i, I did have uh, just one more quick story. Of course, man. Uh, he was one, one of the best men in my wedding. I had Todd was there too. And my goal um, was to invite all of the bands in town to come to my wedding. Because I was, it's a pretty close-knit community and a lot of bands came. Uh, so I, I set up the PA system, all my guitar stuff and my band, the drums, we had a bass. Um so it ended up being this really just killer jam session. And, you know, it's one of those things where musicians uh, have a few drinks. They see someone get up, they want to outdo the other guy. And it's just all good and fun. I remember it just, uh, Ethan grabbed my guitar and I have, and he, you know, he plays bass and he has those thick strings on there and he grabs my guitar and it was loud. <laughs> and I know he knows how to play guitar. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I had 10 gauge strings on there, even with his acoustic, what we're going to 12s and 13s. And uh, he just sort of just bent 
all he's playing these chords and these leads, but he wasn't used to the tension and he everything was just sort of out of tune and loud and he was just barreling through. But the thing what I loved about it, it didn't really sound great. Uh, just because it, whatever, great musician, but he didn't give a shit. He did not care. He was just having the best time of his life, just playing, playing an instrument that he's probably not too familiar with, with playing an electric loud guitar with lots of compression and, and um, distortion on it. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was fun. It's just something, a little thing that I think about every now and then. Just a look of joy on his face. Yeah, man. And you know how we were throwing the word fearless around earlier. It seems to me that like yeah. when you can be fearless in your music, you, yeah. you, you can enjoy it more because you're not hung up on that. You no, know, that's absolutely right. And that's a lesson that I still struggle with. Yeah, I um, I have issues when it comes to that. I wish I could have that I don't care attitude and, and take those take those risks more often. Yeah. You know. Well, Dean, I appreciate your time here, man. I want to get to that um, wrap-up question that I told you about. And it's it's something, I ask it in every episode because, and I've never explained why I ask it, but the reason I ask it is because, you know, with the pandemic and everyone being so isolated and shut down, and, and for me, it was like I had this great conversation with Ethan, and then I got a text from him a week later, hey, I've got COVID, I'm beating it, and that was it. It was just like, he was just out of my life, you know? And yeah. even though I got to have that conversation, I just feel like I didn't really get to tell him what I wanted to say, you know? And if, so if you had that opportunity, what do you think you'd say to Ethan? Uh, I love you. I would, and that, which brings back to a funny story. Um, I was at his house one night and we were partying all night at his house, just being goofy and having fun. Then he started telling me he loved me and I wouldn't say it back. And uh, he's like, why won't you just tell me that you love me? Like, ah, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. Uh, um, and it was eight o'clock in the morning or seven. It was, uh, it ended up being a sunny morning by the time he went, but he just had this ripped up Metallica shirt on and I didn't look too great. And he's walking out. He's like, just tell me you love me. Just tell me you love me. I'm like, Ethan, I'm just going to go home now. And, um, this little old couple walked by with their poodle. I think they were getting ready to go to church and they just see these two dudes coming out um, just after a night of, of having a lot of fun. And this one guy just saying, just tell me you love me, just tell me you love me, just tell me you love me. And it, I just can imagine from the perspective of that little old couple just walking in their neighborhood, getting ready to go to church, seeing these two crazy idiots walk out. So uh, that's what I would tell them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have, but I would, um, I would say it again with emphasis. Yeah. And the way that, the way that he expressed his love to us, like, I think he knew that we all loved him, you know, Yeah. but it was feel good to say it though, to him one last time, you know? Yeah. That's why I like to ask. You know, Dean, you know, the other thing that um, I'm really appreciative of Ethan's friendship is that, I'm through this experience in this journey that I'm on, I'm able to talk to so many of you guys that, cause like you yeah. and I would see each other around, but it's not like we ever sat down over a beer and like really got to know each other. We, we were just kind of yeah. peripherally orbiting around Ethan, you know? And um, yeah. you know, it's been really good talking to you and I hope that we can keep communicating and, you know, maybe, um, the void of Ethan's text, we can maybe fill in or, and we've, we've kind of been going back and forth on Facebook a little bit and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah we had some good conversations. Yeah, man. I just, so. I, I love seeing Ethan through your eyes. Uh, you've very, you've articulated very well, some awesome stories and I love hearing stories. And I was told by several people, Oh, wait till you talk to Dean. He's got a good memory. He's going to have good stories. Oh, <laughs> not yeah. disappoint, man. So thank you so much for taking the time yeah. and, Please don't hesitate in the future if other stuff comes to you because I know you guys logged miles and miles and miles together. You know, reach out to me. Yeah. And we can. Well, I appreciate you doing this. It's a really special thing. Um, it, it, we're all just getting together and honoring um, an amazing person who, who touched everyone's lives that he met. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for being a part of it. You couldn't do it without you guys yeah. and girls. 
you know yeah so well dean have a good night over there in arizona and uh yeah. i'm gonna get myself settled in for the night up here in upper michigan and the day's gonna come yeah. where i make my way back down to az and i hope to see you in person come over to my house bring the kids over all right man thanks for the invite yeah. take you up on it yeah all right chris take care you too dean thanks a lot awesome conversation I had with Dean and it's pretty easy to tell that he loves Ethan very much and misses him dearly. Listening back to this conversation it helps me realize just how grateful I am to reconnect with friends I made through Ethan and also think about the uh, people that Ethan is still introducing me to through this podcast by speaking with people who knew him who I haven't met before. Dean mentioned in our conversation that he is getting back into performing again. So if you'd like to keep up with him and see what he's up to, he is available on Facebook, so you can follow him there. Please make sure to join me next week when I'll be speaking with Stefan Platamoni, who is Ethan's best friend since third grade, so I'm sure you can imagine that he has some wonderful thoughts and memories to share with us. During my conversation with Dean, we were talking about a song that he wrote called Dreams. And he told a story about how Ethan stopped by his house one night after performing at a show and uh, nailing the bass track within about two takes. So I thought it would be fitting to end with that song. Thanks for joining and we'll see you soon.